Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today. And the Knicks lose 127 to 123 to the Memphis Grizzlies at home. Tough game when you consider that they were pretty much in it right up until the end. Jalen Brunson has a couple chances to win it, but can't quite put it away. But he still is on an absolute tear right now. I'll get into that. Get into Cam Reddish's return, R.J. Barrett shooting pretty well in this game, Julius Randle having a pretty good game. Uh, some some definite positives to take away from this one. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Nick's your first listen today and every day, whether you're taking us in on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And the Knicks are uh, many times a part of our daily routine as fans of the team. And the Knicks uh, cap off a, I won't say bad weekend, but a certainly a weekend that did not procure them any wins uh, with a 127 to 123 loss to the Grizzlies. This comes on the heels of losing 132 to 129 to the Blazers in overtime on Friday. Not uh, the best weekend ever for the Knicks, but I wanted to focus more on the Grizzlies game. Uh, I watched like the Portland game and, you know, there was certainly some stuff in there, especially as it pertains to Brunson uh, to, to talk about, but uh, many of those same things were present in the Grizzlies game. And I mostly thought that I, I just think there's more to talk about with the Grizzlies game. So that's what I'm going to get into. But first Jalen Brunson. I mean, he's like the big story right now. He said three straight 30 plus point games. This officially puts us uh, in a position where we have to be on watch for uh, uh, him to start threatening Amari Stoudemire's record of, I think it was nine straight 30 plus point games. So, Brunson's got a little ways to go before he hits that, but we'll see. Uh, but he's he's really just getting whatever he wants right now. Honestly, a lot of things might be wrong with the Knicks. You know, Gavin and I certainly talk about it enough that there's there's some things that just don't work with this team, which is why they're not anything more than like a 500 team right now, even if the talent level might suggest they could be better than that. Uh, but Brunson is not one of them. He's been worth absolutely every single penny. Uh, if I, I looked up some of these stats just out of curiosity, he is currently the fourth highest total points 
in the clutch of any player in the NBA this year. Uh, the clutch is defined as when your team's within five points of the opposing team with five or fewer minutes remaining. He's averaging almost five clutch points per game, which ranks him, uh, I believe it was second, but if you if you put on a relatively limited restrictive minute uh, uh, qualifier, he becomes the number one clutch scoring point per game player in the NBA. Uh, now, of course, this takes into account that the Knicks are playing in a decent number of close games down the stretch. There are some teams that are just winning and or losing laughers that don't give their players, you know, the opportunity to score in the clutch like that. But he's a pretty elite company and even just the total points scored. Uh, there was Shea Gilgis Alexander, Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox are the three guys ahead of him in no particular order. I think it's actually Mitchell, Mitchell Fox and Shea and then Brunson. So pretty elite company right now. Uh, he's also 19th in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring points per game wise. Uh, and he just had 17 in the fourth against the Grizz. And I don't know, I, I just thought this first segment should kind of go out to Brunson. He's really putting this team on his back on a nightly basis. I, I think if, you know, if anyone was complaining about the dollar figure in the offseason, hopefully they've seen the light now of like, no, this guy is worth it. You know, even if he wasn't, quite as good as he is right now, which he's now leading the team in scoring. He's leading them in assists. He's doing it all relatively efficiently. Like he's shooting somewhat close to 50%, despite the fact that he's only shooting 32% from three right now, because he's taking a pretty high volume of self-created shots. I mean, he's, he's just phenomenal at the moment and, and has been worth every dollar that the Knicks paid him this off season. I never fully understood why people were so convinced that he was overpaid or whatever. It's just, he was, I, it, we pointed it out a million times over the off season. He makes like the 13th or 14th most of starting point guards in the NBA. And he plays like much better than that right now. I mean, if he keeps going at the rate that he's going, we just talked about this like last week, but he might be an all-star candidate. I mean, if the, if the Knicks can be around 500, particularly if Tibbs goes at some point or another, which I don't know when that's going to be at this point because do they need to go on like a four or five game wins or sorry, losing streak? If they do that, will it even end in Tibbs getting fired? Or if they keep losing games like they have these last couple, will it just be like, well, they're being competitive, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, but he might get a little more of a bump. The team might get a little more of a bump with a new coach that runs something a little more exotic on offense. Uh, than what the Knicks have been running and, you know, perhaps leads to a few more wins. I guess we'll see as far as that goes, but just on pure skill alone, I mean, he's definitely taking that leap right now. And we're now over 20 games into this season, which means you can start really gleaning some things from these games at this point or from the trends that have emerged. So like Jalen Brunson averaging 22 and seven or 22 and seven and a half, whatever his total number is. I think that's pretty legit at this point. I mean, that that seems like he is now taking this leap and is becoming a star player. I don't know if I would say a capital S star just yet that, you know, is is going to, you know, lead you to some sort of promised land, whether for the Knicks, if that's like every year playoff appearances or what, 
you know, that's basically what Carmelo did. And he was, I think, a capital S star. Uh, maybe it's that. Maybe it's, you know, it, it'll be a lowercase s star, but will be a key piece of the Knicks doing whatever their next big thing is. Either way, I, I think they've got a great investment here and a great player that clearly wants to be on the team and has probably still some room to grow, although he's clearly a pretty amazing player as it stands right now. So uh, I've been super, super happy with how he's been playing and look forward to seeing a ton more as far as he's concerned. Uh, I want to talk more about some of the other players in this game, though, and some of the other performances. But first, I just got to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip, or get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits into your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. And I wanted to remind you all real quick for making or that thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I'm back talking about the Knicks. Mostly, again, the the 127-123 to 123 loss to the Grizzlies. I thought there was a lot of encouraging things from an individual player perspective in this game, which is good. Uh, maybe a little bit on, on the Tibbs end, too. He did play both Cam Reddish and Quentin Grimes a decent amount of minutes. I actually forget what Grimes' full minute allotment was. 26 minutes for... Grimes in 24 minutes for Reddish, which I think was like a huge thing uh, because Reddish was making his comeback and you wanted to make sure that you saw him play with how well he's played so far this year. So he got some time, which is great, and uh, and actually managed to close the game, which I'll get to in just a second. But first I wanted to kind of like give a shout out to Mitch first, I guess. I mean... I thought Mitch had this was this game against the Grizzlies and it wasn't perfect. You know, I think that he he had some issues with Steven Adams, who has proven to be one of his greatest foes in the NBA. Like Adams is just one of those guys that because of how like Mitch is huge and Mitch is a great offensive rebounder and just a great rebounder in general. Adams is just like the blueprint for a great rebounder in the NBA. Um, and it's, you know. Mitch is always going to have trouble with a guy that's like that much just stronger than him. But so does everybody like Adams doesn't lead the NBA in offensive rebounds by accident. You know, he's really good at that. And he had a couple of fortuitous bounces in this one, one at kind of a key juncture later in the game where he had just a, a miss just almost like fall directly into his hands. Uh, so, you know, 
those things are going to happen. But Mitch, all in all, ends with 16.7 boards, five blocks. I honestly think he might have ended up with more blocks if some of the calls had been called better. Uh, he, you know, honestly, like the Knicks had to burn their one challenge, uh, making sure that one foul uh, that was called on the floor was reversed into a block for Mitch. There was another one that was a little suspect down the stretch where it was like, did he really touch him? Like, it was it was close. I mean, he like maybe, maybe fouled. I think it was Ja down the stretch. Of course, who else would it be? Ja down the stretch. But it was really close, man. Like, it, it, I, I don't think that he necessarily should have got Like, in the flow of a game, not in the final couple minutes, I don't know if that gets called a foul. Uh, but that said, Still a great game for Mitch. Uh, you know, I thought that he looked, this is the first time that he looked back to his old self in many ways. You know, the rim deterrence was there. The blocks were there. The athleticism on, you know, catching and finishing lobs was there. He was even kind of like doing a good job of of drawing contact. He himself was good on the offensive boards too. I mean, he ends with four offensive boards in this one. And I think to his credit, you know, even though Adams like, what was Adams' actual final number? Adams ended with seven offensive rebounds. So, you know, seven for Adams, four for Mitch. They're two of the best offensive rebounders in the game. But, like, Mitch, to his credit, I think really tried to to do a good job on, you know, boxing Adams out and whatever. And a lot of times ran into the situation that Gavin and I talked about, I think, on, like, a mailbag uh, last month maybe, where, you know, he was – he was running into situations where he would be trying to clean up someone else's mess, you know, contest John Moran or, or whoever it may be, Dylan Brooks, whatever they managed to get inside. And then the rebound would come off of that. And Adams would end up with it because nobody was boxing out Adams or like Jalen Brunson was there and making like the feeblest attempt to, but of course that's not going to work because Steven Adams is Steven Adams. So that's a problem that's kind of always going to exist if the Knicks perimeter defense remains how it is and Mitch is constantly having to contest that many guys at the rim, but I think he did a good, as good of a job as he could have, especially with Morant. Like he even got switched onto Morant once or twice. And while we saw on the other side of things like Jaron Jackson Jr. Get kind of cooked by like Emmanuel quickly. And I think Brunson once or twice, you know, on those switches, Mitch did not really, at least to my eye, get cooked at all. In this game and the Grizzlies were trying to create that mismatch like make no mistake like they're trying to get Mitch on jaw as much as possible and Mitch just did a really good job of snuffing that out and making it so that it didn't matter and that it wasn't an advantage so uh that was great from him I I, I don't know I I think that if he can keep playing this way it'll be a huge help to the Knicks and it, you know, we say this all the time with him, you know, so it's it's always about consistency and, you know, can he find this gear all the time and whatever with Mitch. But I, I feel pretty confident saying I think that he will. Um, you know, it seemed like the last few games prior to this, he was kind of unsure of himself because of having to wear a knee brace now. He was pretty upfront about that, you know, that he's not used to having to do that, which is throwing him off a bit. Okay, you know, cool. Like, it seems like he's over that that aspect now, that mental hurdle of like, okay, if I'm wearing this brace, my knee is strong enough that I can do things. 
and he looked like he had more pop in this game. You know, more uh, his wind looks back first off, but then it looks like he had more pop on his blocks, more pop on his rebounds, more pop on catching alley oops. It seemed like it was pretty much all falling into place for him. So that's certainly something that I like to see out of Mitch uh, going forward. I want to also talk about Cam Reddish and Quentin Grimes, Manuel Quickly, some RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, lots of whip around uh, housekeeping notes to uh, uh, end this episode off. But first, I do just have to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And what about Prize Picks? It is my favorite daily fantasy game out there right now. And it's because it does things differently. It's not like those other ones that you played, I don't know, however many years ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago, when Daily Fantasy was first becoming a thing, where it just feels like everything is kind of like, for lack of a better term, rigged. Uh, like there's, you know, X number of entries to get into a contest. You're spending, you know, fictional dollars to build a roster, and then you have to get fantasy points. But then you start to notice, that, like at the top of the leaderboard, it's like one person's name like a million times because they just bought up a bunch of entries and have all these algorithms and stuff to tell them the best players to purchase. And it just it doesn't seem like a great model for the consumer. And that's where prize picks comes in. It's so different. You pick two to six players, and if they go and score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And you're not competing against other people. You're not competing against literal professionals it's just you versus the projections available price picks offers projections on any sport that you watch that includes the nba nfl mlb nhl pga college football men's college basketball women's college basketball soccer WNBA, esports nascar tennis mma boxing disc golf euro basketball cricket and more uh and the best part is you can make multi-sport entries so you can you know if you want to uh uh take mike white for over 300 passing yards, the Jets' fantastic new quarterback, and uh, Jalen Brunson for over 25 points on any given day. You could do that, and you can potentially win money doing so, along with some other projections that you pick from. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. And they offer safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. All right, and I'm back talking about this Knicks loss, 127 to 123 to the Grizzlies. And there was still, I think, a lot of other great things to talk about. Uh, so I've talked about Brunson, talked about Mitch. I liked both of their performances. Cam Reddish came back and was fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, I really think he didn't skip a beat. He took a really hard assignment having to uh, guard John Morant, particularly down the stretch. Ja was doing this super obnoxious thing that I guess is becoming like a new trend in the NBA that I'm sure just like the take foul and everything else is going to, you know, uh, create a situation where the league has to make some rule against it, where the Grizzlies would like very slowly roll the ball onto the floor, like not in a late game situation where the, the clock was stopped 
and Ja would just like let the ball roll and until it basically stopped and then just sit there and guard it and not pick it up because then the clock runs, but the shot clock doesn't begin until you touch it and it would just force like Cam Reddish to come up and start guarding him be behind, you know, the timeline behind the half court line. And Cam kept doing that, but he was also keeping up with Ja because that would be for a lesser defender. Like if that was Brunson right there, a decent chance that Ja could pick that ball up and just whip right by him. Uh, instead, Cam was doing a pretty good job containing him. Quinn Grimes similarly did a good job uh, containing Ja as well. But so defensive end, I thought Cam was fantastic. On the offensive end, you know, he looked like himself. He was four of six shooting, one or two from three made a really timely bucket uh, or two in, in this game, had at least one flash of crazy athleticism with a really nice up and under layup. I mean, he kind of just like checked all the boxes and really didn't didn't look like he had been out for any time at all. He even threaded a really gorgeous pass at one point uh, and showed off the passing chops. So I, I thought it was a great game for him, a great return. Uh, and I was very happy to see him, you know, look like he has not missed a beat at all since getting hurt uh, and, you know, get his way back to to playing like how we know that he can play. Then I, I feel like I should also shout out Emmanuel quickly. Actually, I'll just do these guys in quick succession because then I want to talk about how I want to see them play together. But Emmanuel quickly, unfortunately, got hurt uh, in this game. Kind of a vague injury. Uh, they called it just a sore knee. So he didn't come back with that for the whole second half, but played nine minutes in the first half, uh, shot two of three, one of one from three, also had uh, two assists. So six points, two assists for him in the first half alone before he got hurt. And I mean, he just, he looked great. Uh, the, one of the best parts of the game was him getting uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. on the perimeter and just absolutely roasting him. Uh, you know, he he got him and then just kind of like dribbled in a bit, did a little he pullback hezzy, and then just turned it on and got right by him. And, I mean, Jaron Jackson didn't stand a chance, and he just absolutely toasted him. It was, it was a great play from Quickly, and I still – I don't know exactly when he hurt his knee. I don't even remember him looking hobbled towards the end of his stint or anything, but apparently tweaked something at some point. So hopefully he's good because I really liked what he was bringing to the floor as usual on both ends. You know, I think he brings good defensive intensity and now that his three point shot is starting to fall. It might be, might be time for the Knicks to really figure out like, okay, can we afford less Derek Rose? Can we afford, you know, that's where it gets tricky. Can we afford a little less Quentin Grimes and Cam Reddish to make room for quickly to play like, 25 to 30 minutes if he's going to shoot that well because if he's shooting that well that means he's he's good you know like he's in really good shape then uh maybe take a couple minutes off rj barrett who's still playing like 36 37 minutes a game if he starts regressing again and and you know shooting not as well maybe that's where you can find those minutes but if quickly he's healthy i i hope that he's getting minutes uh more minutes going forward because right now he's, he's shooting the ball well and that's what he really needs to succeed uh, that brings me also to Quentin Grimes, who I thought uh, could have been better shooting the ball, two of seven overall, one of four from deep, but you know contributed four assists in this game. I think contributed some pretty good defense on Ja Morant, like as good as you can expect. Ja really had a hard time 
getting into this game early. So even though he ended up with 27 points by the time all was said and done uh, with 11 free throws on that in the first half, he only shot three of seven and generally looked pretty uncomfortable. Like, and that's something that you have to do if you want to beat the Grizzlies is like, you've got to, if you could win or at least come close to winning the jaw minutes, you're in pretty good shape. Although, I mean, they obviously have a great bench, which I think was probably the biggest differentiator in this game that the Grizzlies bench just kind of played as well as they do. But I thought the Knicks came in with a pretty good plan to kind of neutralize John. I think that if there's one thing that Tibbs does well as a coach at this point, it's combat a guard like a John Morant, who is very dependent on getting into the paint. Like Tibbs has a great scheme of funneling those sort of guys into the paint and having them have to run into a Mitchell Robinson type and be stonewalled there. So I I think that there was a, a good game plan to slow jaw down. I think that Grimes did a good job of slowing him down at the perimeter, as did Cam Reddish, which then, you know, helped the Knicks on the overall. So great performance overall, headlined by Grimes there. And that brings me to my next point, which is like, I want to see Grimes quickly and Reddish play together now. Uh, they did not get any time together in this game and because like Reddish was part of the bench unit. Grimes was part of the starters quickly, you know, was part of the bench unit and one of the first guys off the bench. But uh, because of the way the Tibbs does lineups, we didn't really get to see that. Uh, and down the stretch, didn't even get to see Grimes and Cam together because or at least not for any extended period of time because it was RJ and Cam out there. Uh, and Grimes on the bench down the stretch. So uh, I would love to see those three. I think that would be the closest thing that the Knicks could throw out there that you would look at and say, hey, this is a very solid, you know, defensive unit here. Uh, this is this is a, a backcourt that can actually like strike some fear into opposing teams as far as their defense. And if they're out there with like a Mitchell Robinson can maybe make Mitch's life easier on that end as well as having some guys that have some pretty decent chemistry with him as far as getting him the ball inside. Uh, so that's a, that's a three man unit that I really hope to see. I also want to see, I want to see some more Deuce McBride if quickly is going to be, if this is something that's going to keep him out for any extended period of time, I would love to see some more Deuce McBride minutes like we did when Rose was hurt because we didn't really, we didn't, we only saw 30 seconds of him in the second half of this game. And like, I would have loved to have seen him get a shot on Ja, potentially in like the third quarter, you know, when the Knicks more, were more down, when the comeback wasn't really on yet. You know, give him a shot out there. Be like, yo, hey, go guard Ja Morant. See how that goes. It would have been cool to see. Uh, so maybe if quickly is down for any, you know, period of time, hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of Deuce McBride as like that sort of backup point guard. Uh, RJ Barrett, I thought looked about as good as he has in a while. Um, I guess I'm still, I'm not, I'm not over it yet. And I'm not going to be over it for a bit of having this feeling like every time he touches the ball, he's going to shoot it. And that was largely true in this game. Like if he got the ball on the perimeter, he was pretty much looking to either shoot a three or put it on the floor and get inside. And like, he did have four assists. So he did pass out a few times, but mostly he was looking for his own here. And that's fine if he's playing really well, but sometime in the near future like i need to see a game where he's not shooting as well again and see him 
forego the green light and start passing more and focusing on that aspect of his game. Um, that said, it you know, it's tough to complain about this one. Like, yes, he was a little shot happy, but he shot over 50% and he got 22 points. So, like, can't really say anything bad about it per se. It's just a little worrisome that his main motivation right now seems to be less on playing within the team concept and more like if the ball touches my hands, I go up and I shoot. It's fine. It's, you know, but it's just not, it's not the ideal of how I'd want to see him playing. Which speaking of an ideal, like I actually thought Randall played quite well in this game. Julius Randall, he ends up almost with a triple double with 14 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. And I thought that he did, you know, they noted this on the broadcast too. Like Clyde noticed it. Clyde's always really adept at, at noticing double teams, but he noticed like, you know, Randall's getting doubled all the time. He needs to pass out of this. And then what does Randall do? But he starts passing out of it. And it was really working quite well. And so I feel I felt pretty good about this game for him. You know, I admittedly like didn't pay the closest attention to just him on defense, but I didn't notice as many or any of the like huge defensive lapses from him in this game. There were some less than great moments. Uh, I would have loved if he helped a little more on the boards when it seemed like Jaron Jackson and, and Steven Adams were having kind of a field day for a minute. Uh, because they're both so big and I, you know, Mitch can only do so much as far as rebounds are concerned. So I maybe would have liked a little more uh, aggressive boxing out and stuff like that from him to try to keep those two big guys off the glass. But other than that, I, I thought he played a pretty clean game, you know, and, and as is always the case with Randall, it's like, you just want to see this all the time. I don't know for sure if we're going to, uh, or if this is all just towards Randall getting traded or something anyway, but it's it is what it is, I guess. But I I enjoyed this particular game from him. I'm sure next game it'll just be awful again, and I won't be happy. I don't know. I guess there's only one way to tell, which is to get to the next game. Um, last thing, you know, I'll just note again. Quickly, did get hurt. Uh, was listed with the knee soreness. We have yet to hear if that's anything major or not. So I guess we'll see going forward. Hopefully, an injury report comes out. Uh, before the next game, I believe the Knicks this week are playing a back-to-back. Uh, so let's just look real quick. Yes, they are playing a back-to-back against the Pistons and then the Bucks. Uh, so hopefully, quickly can be prepared by the time those games roll around. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think that's it for this. You know, this little mini weekend Grizzlies game recap. Uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with more game recaps for those two games and a bunch more stuff for you guys this week on Locked on Knicks. So thank you all for listening and talk to you all soon. Peace out.